And welcome back to another edition of Innerworld Podcast, where with your host, Mary Wynn, and your producer, Adam. Don't say it. Don't say it. <laughs> How are you, Mary? I am very Meow. good. Oh, no. Okay. <laughs> uh, I guess I'll explain it to our guests. The reason why Adam keeps on saying meow is because we had accidentally scheduled two recordings back to back where it was cats and then cat woman. And it was all by accident. <laughs> Meow. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God damn it. Okay. Um, so today we're uh, continuing on our uh, March Madness, even though it is madness, mostly madness, and not so much basketball anymore. But Yeah, who knew March Madness was going to not be about basketball this year? <laughs> Yes, it's uh, just about the madness we're all like slowly descending into. Yes, at home. Yeah, yeah. March Mad Macness, Mad Maxness. Sorry, no, it's not good. Sorry, no. Madness Max. No, I well, loved it. <laughs> and the voices you guys are hearing are our guests from Air Buds Podcast: Mike Benner, Jamel Johnson, and Peter Moses. Hello, guys. Hello. Ooh, ooh. I'm Peter. Beautiful. <laughs> um so you guys were the one that brought this movie to us because um i had reached out and i wanted to pre-produce uh like a set of actual episodes that would match up with the month but um yes so what move why celtic pride uh, i think Peter and Jamel and I were just on a, a constant group text. And when you asked us, I was like, guys, what are some basketball movies that, that are terrible? What that bombed? And uh, Jamel brought up Celtic Pride. And I think we all just kind of were like, oh, that's the one. And <laughs> so we went back to you with it. Yes, yes. And because um, Adam mentioned that you you watched it as a kid and you loved it, right? Yeah. And honestly, I don't know. I, I'm questioning my whole childhood now after rewatching this. Always hard uh, to watch something that you loved years and years later. You're really putting yourself yeah. at risk. We do that a lot on this show. Uh, we did basketball. Uh, that was the week that was our last show that we did. And it was kind of the same situation. But never have I ever just been mad at myself for liking <laughs> something. Or I guess it was like truly a confusion of what did I see in this movie? I have no idea. Who, who, who saw anything? Who is this movie for? <laughs> is it for parents who love Daniel Stern in Home Alone and just hated Macaulay Culkin? <laughs> yes. Actually, yes. Yeah. I think that's exactly it. I just want to go on record before we move forward. Basketball is good. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 mean, I think it holds up. Yeah. This is a pro yeah. basketball podcast. Our, our Airbuds is a pro basketball podcast. Okay. Okay. Nice. We had mixed feelings. Our last guest, they really hammered home how much they did not like it but listen to that episode everybody <laughs> yeah we i'm gonna go back and listen to it and maybe demand a follow-up episode yeah 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 it, it is a very polarizing film it is very polarizing uh like whenever i say we kind of ruled on it not being good people are like no you're wrong you're fucking wrong <laughs> like i just watched it i'm pretty sure i i, I okay so that's fine <laughs> Anyways, let's get into the background of Celtic Pride. Uh, it was directed by Tom DeCircho. Uh, I think it's Tom DeCircho. I oh, think yes. I don't know. Okay. Maybe I think yeah. it's I was trying to figure that out earlier. Tom DeCircho. <laughs> yeah. And you can't see this, but on on camera, Peter did the the classic Italian fingers. Yeah, and that's yeah. Like the proper pronunciation. Yeah. 
<laughs> yes, yeah. that's perfect. Yeah. And I actually like was like trying to look for his other works, and I think this was his one and only feature that he's done. It's because yeah. he was settling a mob debt for somebody by directing this movie. <laughs> Somewhere near the Boston. Is mob, that true? Yeah. No, but I feel like it okay. would be. Like it, yeah, it, it like might be. Very, He's got very little movie. output. I went to his IMDb page. He he wrote a couple things. He had, um, you know, I think four total directing credits, three of which were shorts, two of which were the same short. One just got included into another, like, uh, feature. Uh-huh. Uh, so, like, an anthology feature. So he's really only directed three things in his life. You gotta, I mean, this was a big fucking shot. It's a studio movie starring two big stars, three big mm-hmm. stars at the time. Uh, and uh, it killed him. <laughs> he never worked again. He never worked again. He literally died. Yeah. No, hopefully he didn't die. But um, So the three stars that we have on here are Damon Waynes, Dan Aykroyd, and... Um, the last one, I'm sorry, I did not Daniel write Daniel Stern. Daniel Stern, Daniel that's Stern. right. Yeah. The most important one. Put some respect yeah. on Daniel Stern's name, yo. You yeah. gotta put some respect <laughs> on Daniel Stern for sure. Yo, I mean, I, I don't know if you guys have reviewed The Sandlot yet, but that that's a... He he directed that one and and stars oh, that one. Is yeah. a, really? A he directed The Sandlot? I'm pr- or No, I mean, sorry, Rookie of the Year. Rookie of the Year. Oh. Jeez, oh, okay. oh. man, whoa, don't just stay. Funky <laughs> butt-loving, Peter. <laughs> that was my bad. They're, I watch both of them so much. Sometimes they just they slip in and out. But Daniel Stern was the was, he was the narrator. Oh no, I'm thinking of the Wonder Years. He wasn't the narrator in the Sandlot. He was the narrator in the Wonder Years. <laughs> There's like three things going on Sorry. right yeah, now right, that yeah, are yeah. like interchanging. But um, is this fair to say that this was like Daniel Stern's one like shot at being like the lead of a movie? Yeah. Like yeah. he's always nah, a character. Nah, actor. nah, nah. Because he oh, also because no. he. Because he's one in one because he kills it in Bushwhacked. Bushwhacked, you're right. What about what about City Slickers, though? We well, got to respect for That's City Slickers. That's Billy Crystal's movie. Oh, I see. I see. Yeah. It went, he went one in one. That's a pretty good run in the 90s. You get two. That's two chips, man. <laughs> <laughs> um. So we got those three stars. And then I was trying to find the budget for the film. It's nowhere to be found. But the box office for it was only $9 million. I'm willing to bet it definitely cost more than $9 million. <laughs> yeah. It, dog, it cost them $9 million to get Larry Bird to show up <laughs> for 10 seconds. And, like, the NBA itself. Like, they probably took a huge a huge payday for this movie. Hell right. yeah. Are you kidding? I can't believe they let the NBA let them be so hardcore with the language. Yeah, it is one of the few basketball movies where, like, they actually license team names and logos and locations. It's uh, surprising yeah. that this but is the, the movie that the NBA let happen. <laughs> I, 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 so I did weird. read, though, the Boston Globe uh, that it's that it's there, or the Garden, Boston Garden, is actually was a soundstage in uh, Joshua Tree. So it wasn't even actually the uh, – it was – Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, and that was very a, clear that it wasn't the real garden. <laughs> and it was. There is a post-credit scene of the garden being torn down at the end of this movie. Oh shit! Yeah. Dan Aykroyd and like Daniel Stern watch it and give commentary. I have no. It's just like demolition. It's it's wild. It's 
Again, who is this for? <laughs> okay, so the fact that, that Mary couldn't find the budget for this film actually goes to, like, support Peter's argument that this is settling of a mob debt. <laughs> yeah, this is some kind of departed-style, like, Mark Wahlberg comedy mob debt, like, Get Shorty, Boston-style. That's, like, what this movie is. It's like a movie within uh-huh. a movie. It's so bad. <laughs> well, uh, Mary, I think we, we kind of derailed. You were in the middle of, like, kind of talking about the film's, like, credentials. There is, like, a big name attached, so I'll let you keep going. Um, um, so, well, I, uh, you can mention the big name because I only wrote down two actors. <laughs> oh, well, this oh is- the writer. The writer of it, right? Oh, Written by yeah. Judd Apatow. Written yeah. by Judd Apatow. Yeah. The- that was like in um, Colin Quinn too, right? Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I didn't, oh, so, Colin Quinn was a co-writer. I didn't even story know. Story by yeah. story by by them, and then screenplay by Judd Apatow. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's insane because obviously he went on to be like huge after this movie. So this is kind of a crazy like like side uh, like um, footnote for a Judd Apatow. Yeah, he was getting he was I getting mean, his like writer his like. He's got a bunch of those credits. I mean, heavyweights. Didn't he write heavyweights? Sure, I think he, he wrote did. heavyweights. Yeah, wrote heavyweights. Paul Feig directed. Produced right? it too. He got Ben Stiller involved. I think. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's this movie itself is kind of crazy. Um, this movie anyways. does feel like it was written. Sorry, last thing I'll say. It feels yeah, like yeah. it was written in like 1989. Yeah. <laughs> it definitely like, does. I can't believe this has ninth. Like this is from 1996. Like yeah. Isn't that the year Titanic came out? Like yeah. Do you think that Celtic Pride would have done better at the box office if Titanic had come out in 1997? Yes, definitely. Definitely going to say yeah there. That could have been our Titanic of 96. Yeah, yeah. Okay, at this point we get into the pitches uh, for how we would have fixed it, and I'll go first. Um, So I noted that I hated everybody in this movie. I, I... You had to note that. Yeah. um, Everybody, to me, was unlikable. Except maybe, like, Dan Aykroyd's character and Daryl Hammond's character. I thought he was, like, so funny. Just being that, like, that annoying, like, happy-go-lucky sort of person. Yeah, great little cameo by Daryl Hammond. He shows up and is just kind of, like, gets shat on by an entire arena of basketball fans and then leaves. Something that's suspicious about his cameo is... He says hello. He says he got married and moved away, uh-huh. not wearing a wedding ring. <laughs> well, bro, he's in Boston for the weekend. Take, you got to take that wedding ring off? Is that what you're he, saying? The wedding ring's in the pocket, baby. He's got to go look up with his old uh, high school flames, you know? Dossie, I'm back. <laughs> so my pitch for the movie is that it's about Daryl Hammond's character, like a spinoff <laughs> film. It's about his character where he's kind of like the cooler you know, for, like, basketball. So, like, teams hire him to come in to, like, yeah. if, like, they're losing a playoff series, like, they'll hire Daryl Hammond to come sit courtside and the other team will lose? Yes, of course, yeah. Got so it. that's basically my pitch for a Celtic Pride movie. <laughs> so it's the cooler, but instead of William H. Macy, it is yes. Daryl Hammond, and yes. instead of casinos, it is NBA arenas. Yes. I'd watch that. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Um, anyways, you guys, uh, you guys can pitch on how you would have fixed it. Uh, well, I, I'll, oh, Jamel, you want to go first? Sure, I'll go. Um, I, you know what I would have done off top? I would have changed all of the music. The music in this film does not match the tone, like, off top. Like, 
The dude is getting divorced from his wife. He's having a panic attack at work. And they're playing this fucking happy-go-lucky orchestral fucking 1995 uh, big... Like, it's like, it was like a Disney, like, kids' movie music over this dude's life falling apart. I'm like, yo. <laughs> it is like the Home Alone it music. It's like very, yeah, like, chippy gonna... and, like... Yeah. Yeah, the, the, yeah. the music it's is straight... orchestral. <laughs> That's yeah. a good genre. That's my favorite genre. And that is not this movie at all. It doesn't make me laugh when I hear it. It's just, I just think whoever did the sound uh, should be locked up. I don't think they <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty sure they all were. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. I, anyways, uh, Mike, would you, uh, you mentioned you had something? Uh, well, I just want to uh, point out that uh, Tim Boyle did the score. So, Tim Boyle, if you're listening, we're coming for you, and we're going to put you in jail. Um, <laughs> Lock him up. Yeah, statute of limitations is 25 years, baby. We got you. <laughs> yeah. uh, my pitch to fix this, I don't know if I have one off the top. I think mm-hmm. have have a non-boomer write this shit. It's the most, like old ass like backwards way of thinking about basketball like these spoiled guys are rich and like they need to learn to pass and like we deserve a chance like it's just it's so it felt like bill simmons wrote it and and if you don't know who bill simmons is listen to this he's he's a sports writer who's a very boston pro guy and he's just he has the worst absolute viewpoints on everything in the world (laughs) but he's like mega famous in the sports world um, so I would just like get someone under the age of like 40 to rewrite it. <laughs> and then, <laughs> and also love, someone who cares about basketball. Like I feel was, like watching this film, uh, they knew the basics of what basketball was as a concept, but like it's some of the worst film like basketball I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. They don't do a good job of making Damon Wayans look like an actual basketball player. I don't know. Uh, he was coming off them picks pretty clean. They had some good pick and roll action. I thought he <laughs> couldn't even move off a pick at one point and heads to the rim. That was actually good looking. But then, like, it's the close ups of him dunking, where it's clearly like he's not jumping at all. Oh yeah, he's no. standing on a step stool. Yeah, like, one it's time not he, well filmed. One time he dunked and the ball wasn't in his hands. Like, <laughs> he, his, his like neck was over the rim, and he like. <laughs> Yeah, I was like, I was like, fuck, this guy's got like a 90-inch yeah. vertical. And he's like jumping <laughs> over on the fucking backboard to dunk. Every dunk like, was like Vince Carter putting his elbow in the rim. Like, yeah. yeah. And also, here's the thing. Damon Wayne's. I looked it up because I was like, he's not that tall. He's, he's, he's you can find his height online. He, they say, Google says he's 6'2". Uh, he's replaced at one point in the game by a, like a seven-foot-tall center from Europe. And I'm like, do the writers of this film understand how basketball no. works? No. Yeah. yeah. No. Damon Wayans is not there. So they start, and I think he's like a shooting guard. He's a small shooting guard. Right. And they start a center in his place. And I'm just like, the writers have no idea what they're doing. Yeah. yeah no. the, when he comes back after being kidnapped or whatever, and we'll get to the plot, I guess, but like yeah. he... The 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 very funny quote unquote funny uh, 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 Eastern European dude gets is in the game and then immediately gets taken out for this weird beat of uh, you've learned your lesson sit on the bench for like ditching us and it's like what that's when I realized like wait 
are they both centers? Like, wait, was that guy supposed to be a shooting guard? I, I don't What? Where's <laughs> yeah. the logic in this? There is absolutely no logic. But I will say Christopher McDonald, who played Coach Kimball, uh, absolutely sold that moment. I laughed. Yeah. That was a joke for me. There were some jokes yeah. in here that I laughed at. He uh, had a couple good lines, but I would have put I would have cut his his role like in half. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, but, okay. So here's another pitch to save the movie. Why did the European center we're talking about, whose name is Lurch, who by the way, <laughs> went on to star in the sixth man starring uh Marlon Wayans, but uh he Lurch got an entire like B story in this movie. He had a full yeah, character arc. He it did. made no sense. Like, why did we spend time on Lurch? <laughs> there's a completely know. like there's a dramatic crime happening and then like we're we're stepping away from it to like seeing eastern european guys say the word homies and like that's the entire joke like i don't know cut lurch from the film uh hire someone who's young and knows of what basketball is and to mary's point uh why not make the characters somewhat likable some of them a little bit they're all such pieces of garbage and learn nothing and are yeah. rewarded for it no yeah Although Damon Wayans, I will say, I actually I do like Damon Wayans in it. He's he's like, but I think the film doesn't like Damon Wayans. Yeah, right. No. Yeah. Uh, I like Damon Wayans, but yeah, the film like it makes him the villain, even though he's the victim, and yeah. that's again that goes back to the boomer sensibilities. But yeah, Peter, what's your pitch to fix this? I would remove Daniel Stern's character completely from this movie. <laughs> yeah. I would make this a movie about just Dan Aykroyd's character, like accidentally uh, kidnapping him and they end up like somewhere far out of Boston or somewhere like further away from their house. And then they have Mm. to like make it back together. But like he's trying not to get him like arrested, but then they become Mm. friends and it's more complicated with like Damon Wayne's character going through some stuff. That's not just like Judd Apatow's opinion of what basketball players are like, which feels (laughs) What a piece of shit. Problematic? Is that, yeah. can I say that? Can yeah. I say that's prob- problematic? <laughs> Absolutely problematic. Um, yeah. the biggest- also, I want to point out, uh, you just pitched Midnight Run, but for basketball, and I think that's a good idea. That kind of sounds fun, right? I mean, at least yeah. there's like, like Dan, also the way he treated Dan Aykroyd's character for just being like stupid was a little obnoxious. Okay, this is the thing I'll say. The basketball people they hired and filmed reflected the amount that the writers and the people who made this movie clearly cared about basketball themselves. Mm-hmm. It was ve- like, if you don't care, then like all you have to do is like go to UCLA and ask, or just like ask any Lakers fan if this passes a smell test. It's not that difficult to make sure that you're, I don't know, the same way you would like, like if this was a movie about doctors and there was just like blood splattering everywhere while they were operating, it felt like the same amount of like, just respect to like the story that they're trying to tell. Um, so that was that was annoying. And that way also yeah. if they're coming back, they don't have to play any basketball. Like and also, <laughs> yeah, Daniel Stern Daniel Stern's like pumping cigarettes and like making yeah. bad jokes about kids breaking their necks. I was like, I this is this is too much. Yeah. It it we'll get into it. And um, but yeah, so your pitch is midnight run for basketball. Yes. Uh Mike's pitch is um, just slimming it down, make it more, like, basketball-friendly <clears throat> and um, more, like, a- actively trying to make it more sympathetic for the characters. Yeah, I guess my pitch is do it again, <clears throat> but better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I and actually then, didn't... Yeah, I didn't actually have a pitch with me. I had a pitch. Change the music also, but just make the movie more racist, I think. <laughs> 
more. Right. Because the they, undertones are there the entire time. Oh, my time. God. Yeah. 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 True. They, boy, they, oh, they boy. They didn't lean into it enough. Like, Boston's playing five white guys yes. in the movie. Come on. They didn't even have... A, they didn't even make a, a, a fake D. Brown. They didn't it, have it. Like, I did. On. I did. I made a note. There is literally one uh, black player on the Celtics because I noticed that and I was, like, tracking it. Benton uh, on, this, on the Celtics, he gets called out twice. He dunks twice. And, he, and that's his entire <laughs> part in the movie. But otherwise, the Celtics are all white. Also true to yeah. form, like the, like the Boston crowd... No black people in the crowd. <laughs> exactly. It was all, everything all checked out properly. But yes. they missed it. They missed a few opportunities yes. for racism. So Jamel's pitch is more racist. The music and have Daniel Stern say the N word. <laughs> <laughs> it would be the, it would actually be the cop character, but still. Yeah, oh, no, it would yeah. for sure yeah. be the cop. Oh, yeah. It would be the cop was... for sure. It would be the cop, but yeah. Definitely. Yeah. There was, a lot of undertones of like racism, but like I, I was like, when is it gonna happen? When is the racism gonna go? It would have right. been perfect at the end. Remember the fucking cop? He's like, there's that point where you think he's dirty, mm-hmm. and then it turns out he's just trying to sell T-shirts. If he had said the N-word about the T-shirts or something, uh-huh. like, that would have been hilarious. Right. <laughs> it's, it's like Chekhov's gun. It's there the whole time, and yeah. like we're just. Chekhov's N-word was just, like, hanging throughout the entire movie, and it never never went off. Yeah, no. Tough. The most racist thing about this movie is that Damon Wayans has to become less selfish as an NBA player to appease these two shitty dudes. Yeah, that that is so true. Like, he had to be less of, like, like more of a quote-unquote team player and stuff, but, yeah, it's it's crazy. Um, anyways, let's get into like the movie. Um, we'll um, more point by point. Um, um, so we're gonna do like a little overview of like the movie itself, and then we'll go deeper into like what we hated about it, and like, <laughs> well, and like pick out what we liked about it. Let's let's do like a little balancing act. Yeah, there are some there's some bright spots. There's a few jokes that I laughed out loud at. Yeah. So um, so. Overall, we're following the this character named Mike and his friend um, Jimmy, who are accidentally kidnap their uh, nemesis, who's played by uh, Damon Wayans, and um, forgot his name. In Lewis the- Scott. Lewis yes, Lewis Scott. Scott. They accidentally, uh, after a night of drinking, they accidentally like kidnap him, and it's kind of insane how they were like. No, this this is fine. We can't just like let him go. We'll just go lean into it even more in this kidnapping. Right. There's a lot of stuff that happened, I suppose, while they were blackout drunk that we yeah. don't understand. Because the last time we see them awake, they're at the bar actually enjoying each other. And yeah. that's like maybe the most charming part of the movie, I think, is uh oh, to Jamel's point, uh the the idea that they get the music all wrong. So we're at a club in Boston in the 90s filled with like hip people like a, a club that an NBA player would go to yeah what is the major song that everyone is dancing to play that funky music white boy <laughs> it's, it's, fucking, it's fucking 1996 they couldn't get any fucking no puff daddy there's no bad yeah. boy CDs yeah. in Boston Right, it's completely incongruous with the setting, but it's there just for the joke of Dan Aykroyd dancing, and it's like, it kind of, it took me out of the reality of the world that they were building, 
because uh, I was just like, no, no one in their 20s in the 90s would be dancing to this song at a club. <laughs> and um, even if you're and not trying a club to be... that an NBA player would go to. <laughs> like, yeah. And like, even if you're trying to be funny, like, nah, dude, like, put, dude, put like Dropkick Murphys on. That's what I was saying. <laughs> it has to be Dropkick Murphys. You're in Boston. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Come on. But anyway, so that, to me, that, on repeat that scene every worked. single night in every club in Boston. <laughs> uh, Jimmy and Mike, Daniel Stern and Dan Aykroyd's characters decide they're going to get Damon Wayne's character, Lewis Scott, drunk in order to sabotage mm-hmm. him. Uh, and then they end up like kind of like liking each other and bonding, right? Like they kind of have this like wild night of drinking and getting drunk. Yeah. And, and enjoying each other. And to me, like that's the most charming part of the film is it like, oh, these guys actually like each other, despite the fact that, like, Lewis plays for the Jazz and the Jazz are playing the Celtics. Mm-hmm. Uh, and but then, the game is in two days. So they're trying to yeah. get him so drunk he's going to be hung over <laughs> for 48 hours. For two, right. two days. <laughs> but so then we, we see them last enjoying each other's company, and then they wake up, and he's duct taped. And in the like, bed. They yeah. cut out the most interesting part of the movie. Yeah! <laughs> yeah let's see what happened, how they got him duct taped. How did they, right. like... What's all the fucking action we missed? What I wanted in this moment was a montage of it being like kind of kind of a in a like a seduction of this happening. Like because it really it's three scenes of like they them doing this, them going to talking to Larry Bird, and them drinking behind the bar, and that's them having fun together. Like in yeah. a modern movie in ni- like even in 1996, like like you were saying to your point of it being like from the 80s, like in a modern movie it would be like really quick shots of them drinking and partying and like adding more to the fun of them like hanging out. And that didn't happen at all. Like, it's just like they it just cut to him being like tied up in the, in the, in the bedroom. And I would have seen, wanted to see all the crazy, like them hitting up another club and them like buying more liquor, like having fun, like actually legitimately having fun to make this a fun part of the movie when it's just like, I guess they needed to like save time. So, they can do a shitty fucking like one-on-one game later on in the end or whatever. One of the most realistic parts of this whole movie was how white dudes that age react to Larry Bird when they meet him in person. (laughs) I feel like that is the most accurate thing in the entire movie. All like white dudes from Boston who ever meet Larry Bird act exactly like that. They basically like have a stroke and also like come in their pants at the same time. (laughs) Yeah. Hank, uh, he definitely sounds like Hank Hill, Larry Bird, by the way. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. yeah, he definitely does. Yeah. Um, ben, are you not going to give us some Hank Hill right now? No, I'm not. <laughs> we have a, there's a, a new running gag on the Airbuds podcast where that I look and sound like Hank Hill, and I don't want to play into that bit. Um, <laughs> but I, I, my theory is that the reason why we didn't get that montage that you're talking about, Adam, is that yeah. because the soundstage that the club was on is the same soundstage that they played basketball on for the garden. <laughs> like they were definitely limited by budget and location. They shot this shit in Joshua tree. Like yeah. they like maybe in the original script, there was like multiple locations, but on mm-hmm. day of they were like, yeah, we can't, we're in Joshua tree. What are we going to go hug a cactus? Like <laughs> I'll, one, I'll, I'll one up that theory and, or one up that. And I believe that, the club was also the Boston Garden. Like they just like, all right, yeah. we wrap shooting on all the basketball scenes. All right, uh-huh. let's turn this shit into a club. All right, like they, it's just the same. Like all they had was that one room, and that's that was it. Yeah, yeah. and also it's it said in the nineties. I'm pretty sure there would have been like bottle service too, or like a VIP section. So why wasn't 
like Lewis yeah. in that VIP section. It was like kind of weird that he was just lingering out in the normal crowd. Right. There was the most famous man. Like something they established in the film was that he's like one of the most famous people in the world. And he's uh-huh. just like waiting in line at the bar. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't and, make sense. But what, what, um, so before this, uh, they, the kidnapping, uh, we get a kind of a glimpse into like Lewis Scott's like kind of world a little bit because we get to see his Nike commercial. And I fucking love that Nike commercial so much. That Nike commercial yeah. is the same Nike commercial that LeBron made when he left Cleveland for Miami. It's like really? the same thing. Really? Yeah. He's like, I am not a role model. You guys don't remember that? <laughs> no, you're thinking of, Charles Barkley. That's he's the, I'm the original. I'm not a role model. They're all like it's Charles all the Barkley same. Charles Barkley had an ad in like '94 where he famously said, "I am not a role model," and that is exactly what this is riffing on from this movie. But it, it this just felt very also like was like did like Rich Paul just like watch this and they were going to decide to do like a Barkley Damon Wayne style? Are 100%. we just saying that LeBron James is a really big Celtic Pride fan? Is that is that what we're <laughs> discovering right now? That that is the connection. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I think that absolutely. I, yeah. I mean, I think the more logical thing is that the famous Charles Barkley commercial. <laughs> let's just say no. it's Celtic Pride. Too bad nah. we'll never know, Mike. We'll nah. never know. Yeah. We never yeah. will know. No, we no. know LeBron is a big cinephile. We know that he watches <laughs> movies all the time. So, um, But yeah, so like that commercial just made me laugh. Uh, but It was like, easily like one of the best parts of the movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah that yeah. was... One of the best parts. Uh, one of few, if you will. Um, yeah. So after they get, like, they kidnap him. Um, and, like, and Mike's character, or um, Daniel Stern's character is just so mean. He's just completely mean throughout the whole movie. Especially to Dan Aykroyd's character, who's, like, playing a Dan Aykroyd character, who's pretty nice, too. Right, there comes uh, a point in the film where we... we- look into the mirror and question is Dan Aykroyd like disabled in some way (laughs) (laughs) several times actually and the fact that like Daniel Stern's character like you're saying is so mean to him throughout just like makes me like the whole thing less and less and less yeah very like of mice and men on brand for Boston yeah (laughs) Jamal were you gonna say something uh, no, but I will say uh, it is disappointing that uh, Aykroyd doesn't uh, get to fuck the uh, concession stand lady. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that is true. Yeah, that would, is been, he, that would have been nice. There's a moment where, like, I think Daniel Stern says he's like only slept with two women, and then uh-huh. uh, Damon Wayne says jokingly says that's more than Jimmy, and then. Jimmy says quietly, true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, she, she you, was so sad. So he's like an established virgin. Yeah. But like he goes, he's a season ticket holder in the Celtics games where every night there's a horny hot dog vendor yes. that is trying to get in his pants. And it's like, Dan Aykroyd, like, what is wrong with you? What's going yeah. on? Like, I feel like he needs therapy. He needs yeah. self-confidence. Yeah, Anyways. he goes to the game and watches the the broadcast on his little transistor radio tv i don't know why that made me like it made it so much more endearing for me because it made him a little more like i don't know like like simple <laughs> i guess yeah. yeah there's also like a rain man vibe going with him yeah. now i'm thinking about it because like he the, they established that he's like he can recall like specific oh. stats from any time 
like dating back mm. to like high school and it's like oh, oh is he that's like right is this a, a riff on rain man a little bit is daniel stern tom cruise now i don't know he also <laughs> made a half court shot oh that's yeah true. i forgot okay. he won a hundred thousand dollars yes <laughs> they, they come out a hundred thousand in the black in this movie yeah you know, that's true kidnapped. they win so much in this movie it's so frustrating <laughs> but let's go on mary keep keep recapping yes um so um, I, I didn't mention this at, at the beginning, but in the beginning of this whole movie, uh, Mike is kind of in this like in this really bad funk because it's uh, final. It's uh, the Celtics are in the finals and stuff. And so he's aggravated and he needs them to win. And it's to the point where his wife um, d- wants a divorce from him. And <laughs> which is insane. Which she, she takes her child to. To, to deliver the divorce papers. Wait, no, it's the... Uh, no, no, no. The... You're thinking when she drops off the trophies later. Yeah, yeah, when yeah. She, when she shows up to deliver the divorce papers, it's while work? he's in the middle of teaching a gym class. Oh, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. smoking yeah. a way, cigarette. he's smoking <laughs> a cigarette. I thought, we were further, I thought we were further along in the film. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. No, yeah. Uh, he's smoking a cigarette in... Ba- I think it would have been really funny if he was a toned down a little more sadder. You know, it's he was just like super angry to the kids, and they—it wasn't their fault that he didn't make it into the the NBA. I'll yeah. tell you this though, they nailed it though. Hey, these elementary school teachers, when they get broken up with, they come to school pissed. <laughs> <laughs> that's real. That's real. That's the real deal. I had a oh my god, our fourth grade teacher. Uh huh. Her man broke up with her at Thanksgiving. <laughs> And she took it out on you guys. Yeah, see, so she was teaching homeroom. So we were there for, like, English and stuff. But then the music teacher was sick. So the homeroom lady is covering for music, okay? Ah. So we're like, oh, we're not paying attention in music. It's the fucking English teacher. We're fucking dicking off, duh. And this lady <laughs> just, like, lost it. She fucking banged her head on the piano and then oh. told us everything. Dude. Oh, my she, God. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah dude. She banged her head on the piano? Like- yeah. Well, okay. Okay. Hold on. See, uh, she didn't, like, headbutt, like, Undertaker. But oh, okay. she, like, she smashed it. She smashed that like button on the keys, <laughs> you feel me? And, and, and was like, God damn it. My man Played left me a thing- Thanksgiving. <laughs> And we were like, dog, we're eight. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I don't know. That, that could be is... in the remake of Celtic Pride. <laughs> Just like, dog, yeah. we're eight. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, d- sick, I, sick. Well, I mean, I think that's ultimately would have been the move was like for him to be so deranged from this breakup that he truly tries to do something crazy. Like, yeah. I need to do something. And if she somehow ties it into, like, um, you know, like, if it came into, like, some sort of betting situation where he needed to make the money in order to, like, buy her the big dream house and he, like, truly went crazy in this moment. Like, I totally buy that. He literally just, like, smokes a cigarette and is like, cool, I don't have to deal with her anymore. Like, it's <laughs> it's it's not worth it. Right. And I don't want to get ahead in the plot, but the like he literally does not change one bit as a character mm-hmm. or grow, and he still gets everything he wants in the end. And yeah. yeah, we'll get to that. Feels like yeah, the, we'll the biggest indictment of Judd Apatow, to be honest. 
it's kind of like he might have learned a lesson from like this and Cable Guy, another one he wrote, which feels like a spiritual like cousin to this. Mm. Uh, like it feels like he learned from those two movies. Like, oh, I need my my adult boy babies to like actually grow and change as people if I'm going to make movies that are good. He got and really it, lucky for a 40 year old virgin where. Um, Seth Rogen and uh, Paul Rudd are kind of likable too, so they took those yeah. characters and like made it their own instead of being like this angry dude that is uh, yeah. Daniel Stern. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so after they like kidnap the um, um, Lewis, they like they just I'll, hold uh, him captive. Oh, the the thought being just to reestablish that if they kidnap the Utah Jazz star, then the Celtics will definitely win the championship. Yes, yeah. Um, because uh, before that, they witnessed him in one of the games, and he's like, at, at first, the first half, the Celtics were winning, and they were so excited, and they were doing all these, like, luck, um, switching seats, and, like, making sure that everything was right, um, but then the second half, uh, Lewis Scott comes in and wipes the floor with all the Celtics, and, um, since they have one more game to really, like, cinch, um, the championship. Yeah. They, they got a decide. game seven. Yeah. Yes. They decide to kidnap uh, Lewis Scott. And since they already had kidnapped him, they were like, oh, we're just going to lean into it. And we're going to go to jail at, as long as the Celtics win, which yeah. is insane. Yeah. You know what all, What else is crazy about, like, the movie expecting us to root for them? Mm-hmm. Like. Boston has won a lot of championships. Yeah, fuck like, Boston. And these guys have been alive for all of them. And they even call it out <laughs> at one point in the movie where they're like, the Celtics won the finals like four years ago. <laughs> Daniel Stern's like, I don't care. I need them to win now. And it's just like, can you give us a more <laughs> compelling reason to root for this? Like, why do we care that a team you don't play for wins the finals and it's important to you? I think that they gave one reason, which was kind of like a half-ass reason, which was um, it was because the garden was going to get demolished. Right. And so they uh, needed it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They could have leaned into that more, honestly. Yeah. And, like, made it, like, tie into their childhood or something. Or, like, we could have gotten a flashback to, like, yeah. their first game. Let's see them as kids at the game with their dads or yeah. their parents or whatever. And it's important to them. And, like rescuing the garden or rescuing the Celtics means rescuing their childhood. And we can maybe root for that more, but instead they're just selfish fucking monsters. It feels like (laughs) Judd Apatow hates people who like sports. The way he he was. Yeah. Yeah. Because he made those two and everybody who's like a huge fan, like kind of insane. Like Mm -hmm. they were like, again, harping on the meanness. Like they were so mean to each other and Daryl Hammond's character who was just like there to enjoy the game and i i really liked his character a lot (laughs) his dumb character his dumb (laughs) doe face it was amazing um so can we talk about the the cop are we up to the cop part of it yet yeah like yeah i mean that cop didn't need to be in this movie i don't understand what his point was what his objective was it was like they set it up to him having this crazy, like they. So they start off with like they're friends with the cops because that's what people in Boston do. Apparently, they're friends with all the the street cops or whatever. And he's like a best friend, and he like they're weirdly he pit, at, when they discover they kidnap, uh, they have kidnapped uh, Lewis. Uh, they 
he like softball pitches a what if scenario to the to the cop, and it's like you know, but like w- would we get in trouble? Like essentially just admitting to it to the cop, and the cop is like playing so dumb about it, and he but he's like hammering like no, it's kidnapping. No matter what you do, it's kidnapping, right? And but then, then later ultimately on, he's like, but if you kidnapped Lewis Scott. I'd be cool with it. And so, like, that's their justification for continuing, kind of. And then the yeah. cop sees it and does nothing yeah. and goes and makes a bunch of T-shirts. That was the moment I was waiting for the racism to, like, fully explode. I mean, I think <laughs> you saw it right there. That was another very realistic Boston moment where that's true, two yeah. friends of a cop kidnap a black man in the middle of Boston, and the cop's like, I'm good. These <laughs> two white men cornering a black man with a gun and a giant lead wrench, and the cop was like, "Have fun, guys!" And yeah, away. It, it, it's like super. Like it would have been more fun if they actually were actively trying to prevent the cop from seeing this. Yeah, you know, like or yeah. or they kidnapped the cop. Up the stakes more. <laughs> that now would they be kid- fun. Yeah. They should have killed him. Yeah. <laughs> no, actually, somebody, yeah, that's about Lewis. Actually, yeah, kill the yeah. cop. Yeah, yeah, yeah kill yeah, the yeah. cop. Yeah, definitely. Um, so after um, this movie, actually, kind of moves pretty fast too in plot yeah. because there's yeah. nothing really going in between. There's like minor B stories that really didn't need to be in there. Right. Um, the the parent or the the divorce happening. Yes. The, his ex-wife comes back with his kid at some point. It's I'm not invested at all in their relationship. Which, shout out to the casting for that kid because I was like, that is definitely Daniel Stern's child. Uh, I don't know how <laughs> they did that, but that dude, that I could see it for sure. Um, yeah. So and then, um, yeah, we we at one point he runs away, or Lewis Scott is able to like run away because. Um, Jimmy's uh, landlord shows up at demanding rent, yeah. and um, and he uses this opportunity while he's in the bathroom to like just leave, skate out of there. He should have just That's walked really, away. I know they established that like he can't move in this duct tape at all throughout uh-huh. for like about forty five minutes. He's like duct taped up, can't move, can't walk. He's got his feet and his his hands tied. Uh, he's just hopping around the apartment when he has to move. And then he goes to the bathroom and then just walks out yeah. completely free. And I'm just like... He walks out with the duct tape as if it's paper towels. He's like yeah, he's holding like, it in his hands. Yeah. And then he says my favorite line of the film, which should have been the tagline, which is, thanks for the hostage tality. I'll catch you guys I, later. I love that too, actually. I thought that was yeah. fun wordplay. <laughs> yeah. I do. I want to point out Damon Wayans is in full like improv mode. Like he is, you can tell he is... Yeah. Just firing off lines. He's doing different things on every take. There's even a moment when they're playing one on one where, like, you can tell, like, they he just had like for one setup, he just had like ten good lines, and they just yeah. kind of play them back to back to back. Yeah, yeah, like it, it. He was definitely like really bringing his um, a game for this character in being um, a an asshat for some reason. But he never like I think at one point he kind of has like a, a like a softer spot when he was like just give it to me please give me this like yeah. I need this and I I wish they leaned in even more to make him even more sympathetic but they didn't at all they kind of touched on it right there's also the moment of like he showed some vulnerability um, mm-hmm. when 
uh, Dan Aykroyd and Daniel Stern are giving him shit about like being in a lot of commercials and mm-hmm. everything. And like, it's clear that like he had conflicting feelings about being a sellout and was just like, I don't want to talk about this anymore. Um, but I think the movie is morally in the wrong in that it shows us that because it's like, it's basically chastising someone for taking a paycheck. Yeah. And I'm just like, like, it's, it's so silly to me that like we're in Hollywood where people like the director and the writers and the producers would fucking jump to work at anything for a paycheck. And then like they're chastising a basketball player for being in a commercial. Yeah. Like, it seems Which, stupid. On a side note, that Oscar Mayer commercial is hilarious. <laughs> Another moment. The, the, I, I did laugh at him playing one-on-one with a cartoon hot dog. Like, yeah. That was great. That and was the probably half the budget right there. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> it was so good. The hot dog wipes his brow. He's like... <laughs> <laughs> like that was whoo. such a good moment. That was a great moment. <laughs> Talk about meat sweats, right? Am I right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, cause, uh, so uh, the way we see that Oscar Myers commercial was because uh, Mike and Jimmy and Lewis have like a, a bet if they scan through like the channels and don't land on like a um, a Lewis commercial, then he they'll let him go. And then, like, it was getting really close, and then they finally um, land on the Oscar Myers commercial, which is really funny. Like, it was a really well-done, like, drawing of, of the was, hot dog. Yeah, I think most of the money... Went to the commercials? Went to the commercial parodies. That's what, yeah, this. that's what I was going to say. Yeah, yeah, for sure. The, uh, oh, and I, I also want to say, a lot of the money definitely went to Jimmy's uh, apartment, yeah, which oh my was god. So depressingly realistically made. Like it <laughs> felt like exactly the kind of hovel that like a, a sad, depressed man who has never grown up like yeah. would live in. It felt really realistic and really well done. There was the one production design in the entire movie that was good. Yeah, when they like- sorry, when the landlord knocks on the door, I thought I was like, I for some reason thought that was like the den of his house. Because I didn't realize it was the full apartment. And when they knocked on it, it was like, oh my God, that's his apartment? Like, this looks like an... It looks... It, it, it was the production design really made it seem like this guy only cares about this, the, the Celtics. Like, it made me... It was... I don't know. It just, like, really drove the home that this guy is crazy for the Celtics. Also, yeah. another realistic Boston moment is the landlord lets himself in, demands the rent, sees them kidnapping someone. They say, we just kidnapped someone don't move. And he's like, yeah, cool. No worries. I'm like, yeah. like, lock the door up. Yeah. And he's like, <laughs> and yeah, I, I got my money. I don't give a shit what you guys do. Here. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, I just want to point out, uh, the landlord comes in. He's like, time for the rent. Jimmy, give me $300. I know, like, I know. That fucking gigantic apartment, <laughs> as shitty as it might be, was only $300. $300. Holy yeah. shit. Like, why can't Jimmy make that? He's a fucking union plumber. <laughs> yeah. Like, what, yeah. What is he, he, he doing afford, with his money? He can't. Well, I'll tell you what he's doing. He bought uh, Bill Buckner's baseball. Bill yeah. Buckner's baseball. Yeah. <laughs> which is crazy. The yeah. fact that a plumber bought that is the most unrealistic part of that fucking film. That's true. For it's sure. like maybe like one of the most sought after things ever the baseball that rolled through Bill Buckner's legs and yeah. some fucking dumb schlub who can't pay his rent has it in his <laughs> shitty apartment. Um, 
So the reason why we know that he has that baseball was because he shot it. Oh, right. <laughs> and um, and he has, like, some weird, like, like Civil War era shotgun or something. It's like, like a Russian gun. Yeah. Did they explain what that was? I, I think I might have missed that. They it's said it, it was a memorabilia thing, yeah, but I can't remember which. It was Go like ahead. a starter pistol from the 72 Olympics or something? That's well, what it was. Yeah. yeah, and he traded like, some memorabilia. Like, it's my together. grandfather's gun from when he was in the army in Germany. Oh, He's a Nazi, yeah. is what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It, took, it took me a Copy second there. Gotcha. Copy that. Gotcha. We got it. Yes. Um, so after um, the chase and like the scene, the standoff of of the cop and Lewis and Jimmy and um, Mike, they they lock him in uh, Jimmy's like like. Roto-Rooter van, yeah, Yeah, truck, Um, and they tie him up to a a toilet, and at one point, they stop for gas, and (sighs) Lewis just gets out with the toilet, doesn't run away, he just pours gas on uh, Mike's groin area, and is about to light it. Light him on fire, yeah. (laughs) Yes, yes. He said, let me go, or I'll light us all on fire. Yes. Um, No, he was only saying that it was going to, like, just burn his dick and not, like, kill everyone. I didn't understand that. There was some, like, wavering logic there. Because at one point he did say, I'll, like, I'll blow us all up. And at another point he said, I'll, like, you know, it was more about his testicles. Like, the logic wasn't clear. The plan wasn't thought out. No, no. Especially um, because I'm pretty sure even, like, a spark or anything from, like, like, even static will set things on fire at a gas station. And it would go right through the pump and blow everything up. It, would, yeah. it wouldn't just, like, specifically stay on that dude's nuts at all. Yeah. No. And so the logic in there is a pretty wobbly at best. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so... But, I mean, to be fair, if you are, like, the victim of a kidnapping, you might not be, like, in your right mind or have the best, yeah. most thought-out plan. Uh, but I don't... Yeah, I think it's more of the screenwriters being dumb. Yeah, because I think um, in the direction of this scene, it would have been more um, uh, helpful for uh, Lewis's character if he was acting like more like a, a kidnap victim, because that is terrifying. It is so super scary, especially two people who probably hates you. Yeah. It is weird. Like, he does kind of, like, slink out of the back of the, like, the plumbing van carrying that toilet, like a cartoon character, like the Pink Panther. Like, he's he's unbelievably cool throughout the whole thing. Except yeah. for that one moment where he says, like, please let me have, like, let me have this. Yeah, um, yeah. And it's, like, I understand he's, like, a confident, collected, athletic millionaire. Mm-hmm. But, like, I think once you're at gunpoint, it all goes out the window. Yeah. Like, he, he was very cool for, for the situation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, so it culminates to the point where Mike and Lewis end up doing a one-on-one basketball scene. And um, and it's completely unrealistic. Mm-hmm. Uh, realistic in that he, like, Daniel Stern, like, loses terribly and yeah. is huffing and puffing. And, and uh, yeah, he, the, he wins. Like, he loses terribly. Yeah. I think that, that was... Pretty realistic in that was, part, at least. It just wasn't like realistic looking basketball necessarily, no. but I yeah, think it no. is. To me, it made me think of like all the fucking like shitbags on Twitter and Reddit who like 
were like, I could beat a WNBA player. And like, <laughs> I just want to see that scene recreated with like Candace Parker and just yeah. some random dude yeah. from the internet. And I just want to see Candace Parker destroy him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I would love to see that. Yeah. Very much so. Um, so uh, in the end, Lewis, Lewis runs away, heads to the game. Because all this whole time also... He misses practice, and then he's going to, it, it seems like he's going to miss the finals, yeah. or the final game, and um, he, like, he finally heads back, and he tells the coach what happens, uh, kind of, like, he kind he of says, like, yeah, he tries yeah. to, but, like, the coach doesn't want to hear it, because he's he's done this before, he's missed um, practice, and he's, he's, not as respectful as established uh, throughout the movie, that yeah. he's not very respectful to the team. I just want to point out um, the weird time uh, logic in this. So that one-on-one game literally ends at, like, at sunrise. It yeah. ends, like, <laughs> as the sun is rising. And, like, we know that they've been, like, it's established in the film. They've been driving all night. They've got out to play, like, they even say, like, it's 4 a.m. Why are uh-huh. we playing one-on-one or whatever? Damon Waynes beats him and then walks off with the gun at sunrise. Uh, when they get to the game, which games are at 7.30 at night, <laughs> Damon Waynes is still not there. Yeah, Everyone's yeah. like, Where, where's Lewis Scott? And I yeah. think they try to buy the logic. Like, maybe he had issues with the van. Mm-hmm. Like, Boston's not that big. You can walk across the entire city in three hours. Like, he just overslept. That's it. <laughs> You think he like he was like, all right, I'm free. Time to go back to my hotel and go to bed. And then he yeah. just left. Oh, uh, like, yeah. You yeah, got to take a shower. You need a nap. Quick nap. Yeah. Well, he, well they, he, what they didn't show was that he actually got kidnapped by two other old white dudes. Uh, that, <laughs> yeah. That, that, yeah the old couple so who they sit next to at the games kidnapped him. <laughs> yeah. 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 I do. I would also like to point out, I thought the where Damon Wayne's chest passing a ball at Dan Aykroyd's face was really funny. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Definitely funny. <laughs> or he could have been hungover still. We, Good point. Yeah. yeah. Has, has to play a factor. And I, I was disappointed that that didn't play a bigger factor. Yeah. Like, we should have seen somebody throw up in this movie. Yeah. That's true. They they did drink, like, an ungodly amount of alcohol that would put anyone down for a while. Yeah, and, and that, yeah, the missing scene we were talking, how funny would it have been if they were trying to duct tape Lewis Scott and Lewis Scott is just like puking all over them. <laughs> that would be hilarious. Or what if the duct tape started because it was like a, a, a Eric's game of Edward Forty Hands? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. That's great. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, they they missed the ball. Yeah. Cutting that scene out. Um. So they. So Lewis finally gets back and he gets. Um, like shortly benched, but then he uh, he's allowed to play because he's the best player. And um, but before that, before Lewis leaves, uh, he tells Mike and Jimmy that if they don't root for him and if he doesn't win, then he's gonna report them and send them to jail. Which is like actually like finally some stakes in this movie, <laughs> right? Yeah. And um, so. Uh, before the game, um, both Mike and Jimmy, they, like, are tying up loose ends. Um, he tell, uh, and also before, like, way before that, Mike's wife catches them kidnapping somebody. Oh, right. Again, another person sees it happening, yeah. doesn't say anything. Yeah. There are four people out there who know that this is happening, 
and they don't nobody does a fucking thing there's a cop there's a landlord there's and then there's mike's wife and son and uh-huh. nobody does anything so much of yeah. this supports my mob ties theory <laughs> yeah. that's true they didn't see nothing yeah that's a mob thing <laughs> or uh, oh, Jamel's... Point out, uh, uh jimmy's tying up things with his grandmom we only know it's grandmom because there's a quick scene earlier while they're chasing uh, Lewis through the streets of Boston that he just runs into his grandmother on the street. Yeah. <laughs> and then pets her dog with with his gun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the dog's name is Bill Russell. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So... So now they're back. They're tying up loose ends. Yes, they're tying up loose ends. Um, Mike and his wife are, like, reconnecting, and she finally is like, I'm okay with you, even though you kidnapped somebody. Um, And you're going to jail, and you're drinking a beer at breakfast? (laughs) Yes. Um, So later that night, they go to the game in purple, wearing the jazz jersey, and... Oh, I, I think I forgot to mention that uh, Lewis Scott is on the jazz team. Utah jazz oh, team. I think yeah. it's been mentioned before. Oh, Jamel wore his Utah jazz hat for the occasion. Yeah. Look at that. <laughs> um, um, yeah, I think we got it in there somewhere. Yeah. It, it, yeah. yeah. Um, and then, um, so they're wearing Utah jazz uh, gear. They sit in their regular seats. Everybody at first questions them as to why they're wearing it. And then they convince them that the reason why they had to root for the Jazz is because they rooted for the Celtics and that's what caused them to lose. Right. So they yes. basically said, we're the we're the Daryl Hammonds. <laughs> yeah. Daryl Hammond was not Daryl Hammond. We are the Daryl Hammond. We are the bad luck charm. Yes. We need right. to root for the Jazz so the Jazz will lose. I guess I that's would've... something we like, oh, oh, like brushed over in the beginning of this is that like all of the Boston garden is super paranoid and they, they do a whole bit. That's so goddamn boring about changing your seats. And, mm-hmm. uh, like just like the superstition in for the Celtics is very high. And that's how they get, they somehow pitched on this, uh, you know, wearing the new, these new jerseys or whatever. Again, yeah. wildly patronizing to sports fans. Yeah. Everybody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a film that does this in an actual charming, good way, uh, dealing with Boston fans and superstition, Fever Pitch. Yes. Fever Pitch oh, is a yeah. good movie. One of the only good Jimmy Fallon movies. It's, <laughs> uh, it's such a delightful film, and uh, they they do the kind of superstition in a much more, like, yeah, not patronizing, charming, fun yeah. way. But you can feel, like, Colin Quinn and Judd Apatel's absolute, like, distaste for sports fans. Yeah. Sorry that you got beat up by someone on the wrestling team in high school, Joe. Jeez, <laughs> idiots. Yeah. God, let it go, man. <laughs> um, so they're cheering on um the jazz, and they're at it, again, it's like the first half where it's like not very good um because the Celtics are winning. And then at halftime, uh Jimmy gets to sink or shoot the ha- from the half court. For a hundred thousand dollars, wearing the and, jazz jersey. Yes, yeah. yeah. Which would um, also never would never happen in reality. They would have killed him. First off, he wouldn't have been allowed on the floor in a jazz jersey. <laughs> they would have pel- pelted him with fucking batteries from the sands. Yeah, yeah. Bob Cousy would have fucking decked him in the face. <laughs> <laughs> um, it would have been funny if like he kind of was like, "Oh shit, I'm wearing a jazz." 
uh, jersey. I'm, do- I'm gonna take it off. <laughs> and he's just like half naked on the half court. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like tossing the ball. And um, so oh, he's. I, thinking, I just wanted yeah. to point out that Dan Aykroyd approaches the half court shot as if he's bowling. <laughs> yes. What was that? It's like Why? a Fred Flintstone inspired like bowling shot. We, we, uh, I don't know. Yeah, it's so Dan Aykroyd. I think is the most likable character in this because mm. he's so simple and yeah. dumb. But like at the same time, Dan Dan Aykroyd is just kind of doing like they let Dan Aykroyd off the leash, and that's like yeah. not a good yeah. idea because it's not like he's that funny. <laughs> like, yeah. Have you all seen the the Crystal Skull uh, vodka commercial? Absolutely. Of course. Uh, yeah. 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 Like I definitely got senses of like his craziness in, in the, in this, like just the little rants he does sometimes it's like, okay, yeah, yeah. There's, there's the real Dan Aykroyd right there. Like yeah. when he gets a little too specific, it's like, ah, oh, okay. Yeah. That was weird. That's there's Dan a, Aykroyd weird. Yeah. My ex uh, was a producer on, uh, on this test run of talk shows that Fran Drescher did uh-huh. back like years ago. And so, uh-huh. like, I got to see all these episodes of the Fran Drescher talk show, which I love Fran Drescher. I think she is actually great. That talk show was a fucking mess. And a lot of it was just, like, her calling old friends and being like, I need you to come on to my test shows uh-huh. because it's not doing well. Um, <clears throat> she called Dan Aykroyd and his wife to come be a guest. Uh-huh. And they hijack a good 15-minute segment of the show and essentially turn it into an infomercial for the Crystal Skull Vodka. Hell yeah. And like, oh, they are ranting and fucking raving. Dan Aykroyd <laughs> is a lunatic. And like it, it's like watching Fran Drescher trying to like take back control of her talk show from like her friend who's a manic like idiot <laughs> trying to shill vodka, <laughs> literally holding it into the camera. It's I need to find footage of it because it is like if that got out, like I feel like it would be a, a lot of memes. Yeah, that's <laughs> awesome. I also feel like Dan Aykroyd kind of ghost wrote some of this dialogue in this. Like it does seem so sporadic and crazy and not grounded in any reality. Like I'm not trying to take any blame off of Judd Apatow for any of this at all, but there's just like the specifics in way, like it doesn't seem of this world how they humans interact yeah and it's have you ever seen a uh point uh point gross point blank. Uh, yeah gross point, point, point blank yeah yeah that which was written and directed by uh dan Aykroyd. has it, i'm assuming some of y'all seen that yeah great film i love it it is the dialogue is fucking nuts though it's it it's it's crazy and it made me think like it i had a distinct flashback of that movie while watching this because it's had this very specific uh like almost existential questions that are happening in a dialogue delivered in a very fast pace and i it, it was just unsettling so i think I, it works in gross point blank though because i think uh that's just probably how uh oh what's the actor's name uh john cusack i think john that's just cusack. how john cusack talks in real life like right. I believe <laughs> coming out of john cusack yeah but yeah, coming out of Daniel Stern, I'm like, you're too dumb for this stuff. <laughs> I, 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 I did think about when Dan Aykroyd went and danced over to Damon Wayans for the first time and then like yeah. popped up and stared at him. I was like, oh man, this guy does love aliens. I forgot about this. It felt very like <laughs> alien connected. Yeah. I mean, I I I, I do love a, a, a tall tale about aliens, but he is... Insane when he talks about aliens. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
Anyway, so he sinks the half court. He wins $100,000. They're cheering because it's bail money, baby. Um, <laughs> There's some awful ADR that, like, they put in over the end of that shot, like that little, uh-huh. like, part of the set piece uh, while they're, like, walking off the court in the wide shot. There's this really awful ADR line. It's like, wow, Jimmy, with $100,000, we'll be able to afford a really good lawyer. And it's like... <laughs> It's not a joke, and it's, like, kind of stiffly delivered. And I'm just like, what did they think yeah. this added to this moment? Why did they get that line and put yeah. it in here? Like, it didn't – we get it. He said yeah. bail money earlier. We don't need yeah. – like, Yeah. They they just really, like, love hammering home points in this movie. But, like, like the wrong points. Yeah. yeah. Like, points that don't matter. Yeah, no. Um, and so – at the end, um, afterwards, again, the jazz isn't doing so well. So Mike stares, screams across the court to Lewis and tells him how to play the game to win. And he yeah. basically says, do something that nobody's going to expect, which is to um, pass the ball. Yeah. And it works. And, like they start winning, and um, at after like they're one point down, at, with like seven seconds left. Now, the, and, I just want to point out this is this is what this, this epitomizes what I mean uh, about like this being a totally boomer movie. Uh-huh. Like, there's nothing more like old white dude than like looking at an NBA game and being like, nobody passes. Like if they just passed, they would win. And like, back to the fundamentals, my yeah, friend. This is like the most like. <laughs> like 48 year old white guy like wish fulfillment moment is that like he could stand up get a player to look directly in his eyes and say yeah pass the ball and then it yeah. worked yeah. yeah like it's it's it kind of like makes me think of those uh videos of basketball players when people are like talking to them when they're clearly not paying attention to anything other than the game um it's just so funny to think that like yeah this basketball player who's playing the most important game of his life, like, is going to pay attention to somebody in the stands. Yeah, and then the one thing, the thing that he's, like, that he listens to is, like, pass the ball. And he's, like, yeah. pass the ball in basketball? I have never thought of that. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's also, uh, you know, if we go back to uh, two movies ago, which was Thunderstruck, that's also the same winning plot device that happens in that film where the lead player loses his powers of, of skills and then decides just to pass the ball and they win. So Yeah. <sighs> there is a lot of like that kind of idea where it's like it's it's a team sport. That's how you win is everybody wins. Right. But like the idea that like NBA stars don't know how to be a teammate is like the most wildest shit in the world. Yeah. Like it's just such a weird criticism. It's like they made it this far. Their entire job is being a part of a team. And yeah. If you look at them and you think they're selfish or whatever, like you're wrong. You're just wrong. It's so it's mean. Like you're, pro- you're projecting. He yeah. worked so hard to get there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Rice. Well, right? I, I think we can thank this movie for uh, LeBron James being a really good teammate uh, when he originally watched this movie uh, as a young child. And then I was like, I want to make a movie. I want to make a commercial just like this. And uh, we could really. <laughs> We could really, you know, his his gameplay is really influenced by this this film as well. So we can we can, we can walk away with that. Oh my gosh, Adam, with these hot takes. <laughs> uh, 
Okay, so at the end of it, the Utah Jazz wins. Um, and they, um, the, Jimmy and Mike just run onto the court, come up to Lewis, and the cop shows up. He's pissed that his, he can't sell these t-shirts for the Celtics. Finally he, ready to arrest someone because he lost $20,000. Yes. Yeah. And so then and, he turns directly to, to uh, Damon Waynes and yes. says, did these guys kidnap you? And Damon Wayne says, no. Which is so fucking insane. Why yeah. did you not press charges against these guys? They held you at gunpoint for two days. No, they're like, his friends. Now yeah. they're his friends? This is so fucking wild. Like, I don't know. Why, why did black people have to do all the work for white people? And like, <laughs> you know what was also blowing my mind is like, if you're Daniel Stern and Dan Aykroyd, like, I'm not showing up to that game. Don't go. Like, Just don't go to the don't game. Don't go. All you have to do is don't go, get the fuck out of town, uh-huh. get your wife, get your kid, roll out. Nobody in Boston's going to press charges on you anyway. <laughs> when they find out what you did, you don't show up to the game. Lewis Scott never learns how to play basketball right. And the your Celtics win. Wins. The Celtics win. He can't, they can't find you because you're already, <laughs> you're already in fucking Rhode Island. Oh, Jamel's getting worked up. <laughs> You think that's as far as they would go? They would go half a state over? (laughs) 20 (laughs) minutes to Rhode Island is all you got? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. They'll never find us in Providence. (laughs) That's exactly where I was going, Michael. (laughs) (laughs) That makes sense. Like, um, Like, also, Lewis Scott, like, only knows where Jimmy lives, too. So why would he, like, make the effort to, like reopen trauma right and also like does he know where he lives like yeah he's like i came out like i was in a shithole in westie like i don't think anyone's gonna like (laughs) which shithole there's a lot of them (laughs) exactly um so they they become friends with lewis for some reason some seven months later mike and jimmy decide to kidnap a football player the, uh, Deion Sanders. It's yeah. Which, because it's... Oh, I'm sorry. The, the, that last frame of yeah. Deion Sanders' face is incredible. <laughs> I, I yeah. didn't notice. I think I was already zoning out. I don't even know what team point. he plays for at this point. The Niners? The Cowboys? He's, he the probably would have been the Cowboys. I, 96? I, it's not the Cowboys? I don't know. I'm not a big football. I guess it's all in the just, NFC, so they. I guess the Patriots would have been maybe playing them in the Super Bowl, but yeah, um, yeah, it was insane. Because again, why wouldn't they learn? What if this this uh, player will press charges? I don't know. Yeah, it was an insane ending because again, they don't learn their lesson. Yeah. Um, and we here's what we learn in the okay. An insane ending also, and that it that it's a seven months later, and then it uh-huh. fades in on a tight shot of a hallway and two pairs of feet like tiptoeing down it in the most like ginger, like cartoon cat burglar way. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, I just was like there it was such a dumb cartoony shot. If, um, if it then, panned sorry, go ahead. Oh then we learn in ADR that things have been going well between Mike and his wife. Yeah. And I'm just like, why? Like, <laughs> why on earth have they been going well? You didn't change at all. Mm-hmm. You did not grow as a person. You're an asshole to your wife and your kid. Uh, she had to learn to love basketball in order to, like, make things right. 
And like, she came to you entirely. And now you're going to go kidnap the Sanders. Like you deserve to fucking die in jail. (laughs) (laughs) This poor woman who for some reason loves you. Yeah. Despite being like a chain smoking gym teacher who cares more about, uh, the Celtics and his own son. Yeah. Anyways. <laughs> and she's also like a little out of his league. She's pretty high. Yeah. 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 Way out of his league. Right. Yeah. And, and she, does she I, show up in, like in scrubs? Like she's yeah. like a nurse, right? And they yeah. like have a nice house. And I'm like, she's making all the money. She's got a good job. She's hotter than him. Get the fuck out, man. Dump him. <laughs> Dump him. Dump. 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 Um, so we're at the close of our, our main portion of our podcast. So we'll take a break. I've looked into the face of the devil. Hey, Scott, you son of a bitch. Your whole team hates you. And so do I. I've been with two women in my whole life. That's two more than Jimmy. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I'm Lewis Scott, as well as being a professional podcast. And welcome back. That was a quite a nice break we had there. Um, we were talking nonstop commercials for basketball. Mm-hmm. That's all we were doing. Yep. Um, so at this point, we're going to do our trailers, and I'll go first, guys. In a world where this guy, he has a doughy face. He is quite a zero when it comes to everything, but he loves basketball. He loves it so much. But they, everyone in the stands hates him. This movie is starring Daryl Hannon as the basketball cooler. Yeah, he gets hired by the NBA to cool things down when things get too hot for a streak. <laughs> and this is Celtic Pride, 1996. Yeah. I really enjoy that idea for a film, like a basketball cooler. That sounds awesome. Yeah. yeah. I should totally I mean, do that. Yeah. You could, like, expand it and make it into, like, a... Like a the Kingsman type world where like every city has its own cooler, yeah. like Steve Bartman in Chicago. That's, yeah. that's the guy who like dropped the, the foul ball. Right. And yeah. then, like ruined the Cubs, the world series chances. There's <laughs> yeah. uh, plenty of coolers. Anyways, yeah. who would like to go first for their trailer? I'll go. Okay. Go for it. In a world where Daniel Stern's character doesn't exist. Dan Aykroyd takes Damon Wayans on a journey through Lenox in Western Massachusetts to find their way back <laughs> to Game 7 of the NBA Finals in Celtic Pride 1996. Yeah! Nice. All right, I'll go next because uh, I'm the least funny. So we should start with the funny one and end with the strong one. I'll go in the middle. Hey! You've seen Celtic Pride, right? Did you like it? We didn't think so. (laughs) What if we did it over, but good this time? We're going to have realistic basketball. 
we're going to have writers that don't have disdain for the topic in which they are writing about. And we're going to cast actual likable people. It's Celtic Pride, part two. Nice. <laughs> I, I, lo- I love that yours your started off like a pop-up ad. Like, I try to click out of it. Hey! Yeah. <laughs> I, I, couldn't, I couldn't figure out a way to start it off with In a World, like for my concept. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's great. Yeah, yeah, I think this works. Yeah. Okay. All right, I think I got. I think I got it. All right. Yes. Um, okay. Jimmy and Mike like the Boston Celtics, but after they kidnap the Utah Jazz star power forward, and their best friend police officer then frames that black power forward for murder, they realize they love the Boston Celtics. <laughs> <laughs> It's Celtic Pride, 1996. Yeah. So good. Wait, so good. Murder get added to your I love it. I love it. Quick, quick, quick rewrite right in the middle of this thing. I love that. In. <laughs> so we're at the close, guys. Do you guys have anything to plug? Where Where can we find your podcast? You say. can find us, uh, go to twitter.com slash airbudspod. We're there. We're at airbudspod on Instagram. Uh, we're Ooh. now on Twitch. Uh, airbudspod there as well. Oh, nice. uh, we're doing what are you guys doing on Twitch? Uh, we're just bullshitting and playing music videos and old basketball clips, basically. Oh, that's oh, nice. fun. I think we, uh, and jump in if, if I'm wrong, guys, but we all enjoy hanging out with each other very much. And now that we are uh, in self-quarantine, we just can't do it. So, uh now we're just going to do it over Twitch and let people watch. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, that's, that's so cool. Go to Jamel's uh, Instagram, uh, Broccoli House, at Broccoli House on Instagram. He's doing a bunch of uh, Instagram lives where he DJs every night. I've been enjoying them very much. Yeah, it's uh, DJing and weapons. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone that goes on has to create a weapon. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Peter, how about you? That's it. Go ahead to uh, Airbuds at Airbuds Pod. We're just going to be hanging out there talking about basketball forever. Oh, I have another podcast, too. Uh, oh, nice. I started it recently. It's called That's the Show. It's a show where me and my friend and uh, frequent co-writer Edgar Malpasir are writing a pilot one episode at a time. Uh, yeah, it's really fun. And uh, if you care about the creative process at all, you can hear two people that have done it for money uh, figuring it out. Search for That's the Show with Edgar and Benner, uh, iTunes, Spotify, Google, everything. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. And um, you can follow everything for the show. Everything's on our website at innerworldpod.com. You can follow me. It's uh, at MaryHBWin on Twitter and Instagram. Um, Like, subscribe, rate, review. Um, Things are a little crazy right now. So we're still trying to figure out, like, um, remote podcasting. So hopefully this wasn't too bad. Um, anyways, have a good night. Good night. Bye. <laughs>